There's a few things that I hope at the end will define me. This is one of them. Just a handful of things I hope define whatever I become. I pray that my love for God defines me. That I am an apostolic apologetic. I hope it defines me. That I'm a faithful husband and a godly father. And then finally, and not the least of which, then I'm a disciple maker. It's the only commission worth following. Second Samuel chapter 5. And a few verses there. I'll try not to preach long and the Lord will help me get to the point and then we'll do with it what we will. Second Samuel chapter 5. And verse 6, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem, David and his men, unto the Jebusites. They were the inhabitants of the land. They sent a word to David, and they said, Except you take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither, Thinking David won't be able to get in. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David, Jerusalem. David said on that day to his men, whoever gets into the gutter, smites the Jebusites, the lame and the blind. This is what David said. That are hated of David's soul. He shall be chief and captain. It's reminiscent when David brings victuals from his father's house to his older brothers and he says, what shall be done for the man who kills Goliath? And they said, well, He'll be honored and he'll get to marry the king's daughter. David's going to make a proclamation with a reward. Whoever gets into the gutter and kills the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David, so I'm going to make him chief and I'm going to make him captain. Because they said, we'll stop David with the blind and the lame. Now I know that many people watch live and so you'll have to apply it to wherever you are. But tonight I'm preaching 
as I do all the time, but specifically to us here in this place about this city. Amen. Now I pray in the name of Jesus for the glory of the Most High God to rest upon the congregation and let every one be a hearer and a doer of the word to hear the voice of the Spirit and to obey the things of the Lord. In the name of Jesus and everyone just lift up your hands and your voices right now. Put your Bibles down behind you. Lift up your hands and your voices to God. We just have a few moments. We just have a few moments. We have a few moments. Ah. 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 From where I'm standing, we need at least 300 more seats in this building so that you could spread out a little bit. That's just for you. From where I'm standing, if we just had a couple more hundred people, we need about five or 600 more seats. Amen. Who believes that and who will pursue that? All right. I provoked you. God bless you. You may be seated. I thank you for standing. When I was young, a preacher read the scripture that I'm about to read to you. I thought it was funny because he added another word in it. And I remembered it because he added that. Genesis 15. This is the promise of God. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Saying unto thy seed I have given this land. I'll I'll wait for it to be on the screen. Genesis 15. Saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river of Euphrates. The Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites. Here's a little break. And the Rephrams and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites, and the preacher said, and the termites. That's why I remembered it. Here's the last group, and the Jebusites. It's a strange commentary, our text. It's almost lost on the common reader. I've missed it a couple of times through my years of Bible reading as I get to Second Samuel 5. All of these people which stand in the way of Israel and God's promise must be dealt with. There is a blessing 
and there is a provision, but there is also a duty to follow. And when Moses leaves the people by virtue of death, Joshua crosses the Jordan to come into this land of promise. But even though the land was theirs, there was work to be done. And Joshua is commissioned to fight the people that are there and to conquer them and then to possess the land. For all of our folks that have just maybe really new to the Bible and you're new to church, because there are several, I'll set the scene for you. Israel is in bondage for 430 years and Moses brings them out through mighty signs and wonders. And they're ready to go into the promised land, but they don't believe God and they're fearful. And fear becomes the wall that they build against themselves. And for the next 40 years, Moses leads them in what can only be considered geographically is a circle. They will pass up the entrance to Canaan many times. And when Joshua takes over, he leads them across the Jordan and into this land of promise. But there are many enemies that must be eradicated, dealt with. And Joshua begins the process. Most of them are conquered. Israel will tear down false gods and they will, they will institute the law given to Moses on Mount Sinai. But when it, come, when it comes to the last group of people, the Jebusites, for whatever reason, I cannot say. The Bible gives no declarative. But that the children of Israel did not deal with the Jebusites like they did with all the rest. So instead of chasing the Jebusites out of their city, which will become Jerusalem, it is not yet. They negotiated with them and a portion of Judah lives with them and compromises with them and lives in the city. Sadly, those people, Hebrew people, who compromised and decided to stay in Jerusalem during the days of Joshua, they became corrupted. Now, there's no far stretch here just to say, when you compromise with the world, you will become corrupted. Nobody compromises with the world and and are not affected by the world. Nobody compromises with the world. Nobody makes treaties with false gods and false doctrines and false living. Are we all, are you with me now? Does, does this make sense to you? See, this is under review here by a lot of churches. What I just said to you, it's under review. It's not under review here. Joshua says that Judah did not drive them out. Those were his words. And then the book of Judges later on says that Benjamin did not drive them out. Judges one twenty one, and the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabit Jerusalem. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. So both Judah and Benjamin had the opportunity to run them out, to drive them out, but they negotiated there. And I won't retell this whole story of, of Judges 19 except to say that when a Levite was looking for a place of refuge, he purposely turned away from the city called Jebus or Jebus, which was the city of the Jebusites. It would become the city of David, Jerusalem. He called it, and I quote in Judges 19 and 12, an alien city. Can you imagine? 
of all the places in the promised land, the one city that should have been conquered was left untouched. It will become the most famous city in the world. Because God said, I'm going to put my name in Jerusalem. Now why of all the places would they not have taken that city? Jerusalem was not always called Jerusalem. It was a heathen place. It was a corrupt town, a city. Insomuch that the Levite in Judges 19 was afraid for his life to enter there. Jabus belonged to the enemy of God's people. It was buried in false gods and vain philosophies. It had all the trappings of a perverse living. And I, I move quickly through the annals of time and for the sake of our time. I present to you a young King David. He's 30 years old. He'll be anointed three times. He'll be anointed by Samuel with a full horn of oil. He'll be anointed in Jerusalem finally when he unites the kingdom. This is the second anointing of David. It happens in a place called Hebron. He's anointed by the elders in Hebron to be the king over Israel, but he'll stay in Hebron until Jerusalem becomes his. Now David, when he, when he gets Jerusalem, he brings in the Ark of the Covenant, but until he can get the city, he cannot bring God back to the city. Jerusalem is still Jabus. It's still occupied by the Jebusites. And the Jebusites know that David is coming. They know that he wants the city. They know that they're not equipped to even fight David's great army. They know it. So around the perimeter of the city, they will put up the blind and the lame and position them because they think that David won't attack the blind and the lame. To get into the city then, David calls for men who will swim up the gutters. It's messy. It's not just the gutter like you think. They'll have to wade through the refuge, the runoff, where all the trash and the garbage and the refuge flows out of the city. And on that day, David said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites is going to have to use the water shaft to reach the lame and the blind who are my enemies. That's why they said he won't come in this place because we put up the, blame and the lame and the blind. See, Jerusalem was David's city. And David took the fortress called Jebus. He's going to rename the city. He's going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back in the city. But before he can bring the Ark of the Covenant back in the city and establish worship and praise and the things of God, he has got to take the city. The city, it's pivotal. It's prime. It's ours. It's our mission. I'll help you with a little expansion here. The city is Terre Haute, Indiana. Perhaps in a... In a larger sense, it's the county, it's the outlying areas, it's the suburb, it's the place of population where souls are heading toward their destiny. Eternity is standing ready to consume most of the city. And the enemy of our lives and of this house knows that he does not have the power to withstand us. We are the ones often wondering if we have the power. The devil knows you have more power than you know. We are the ones who often question our authority in the Holy Ghost. But the spirit of this world already knows you have the authority. If you knew what the devil knew about you, you would walk in great boldness. If you could see what the devil sees in you, it would make you bold and powerful in the Lord.
I got to tell somebody in this house, the devil knows exactly who you are. He's afraid of you. He's afraid of the Holy Ghost inside of you. He's afraid of the name that's been applied to you. And most of all, he's afraid of the blood of Jesus that's covering your life. Maybe I should just stay there a little bit because some, because some of you do not believe it. But just let me tell you, you are the child of the Most High God. You are a blood-bought child of the Most High God. You are powerful. You have authority. You have power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over every device of the devil. And I've said it and I've heard it, but I know it that many times the devil reminds us of where we are in the present and what we've come from and what we used to be. But you ought to just remind him of the blood of Jesus and where you are going. You ought to just speak back to the devil. Oh no, I've got authority in the Holy Ghost and the Lord is with me now. And I say that perhaps if the devil knows that we're more powerful than he is, then he must institute other designs to block the church from the city. And he puts up the lame and the blind. Did you know that you're not the only person who invites people to church? The lame and the blind often come to church. The lame are the inactive it is none other than the spirit of apathy, apathy, the lazy Christian. He's not in, he's not out. He's a lukewarm member who offers nothing and takes nothing away. He's self-justified and certainly complacent, the lame. There's no advancement in him. If no one is walking, he's not walking. If there is no race, he's not running. He occupies churches far and wide, pews just like ours. He comes with a host of people to enjoy the church and to soak up sermons. The lame loves to see progress, work being done. But you'll never see his hands stained with the labor. He likes to see the walls painted, but there's no residue or a paintbrush in his hand. The lame are not necessarily negative, so you might overlook them they're just not present when it comes time to work and David saw the lame as his enemies because they blocked the entrance to the city but they did not sit alone they were joined by the blind the blind the spiritually blind offer no vision where there is no vision people die the blind purposely close their eyes to the blessing of the Lord. They cannot and will not see the future. They give no thought towards preparation of tomorrow. They are blind. And blind people often scoff at new buildings because they say, Why do we need a new sanctuary? There's still some room here. They have no faith. They're blind. Blind in the, in the spirit world do not believe. They will never see things hoped for. There's no evidence in their voice because they doubt the sure hand of God. And David considered the lame and the blind his enemies because they occupied a place and blocked the entrance to the city. As long as the inactive and the faithless stand in the way, the city will belong to the enemy. But I stand here tonight to tell someone, to tell everybody this city is ours. It belongs to us. But we have got to get up, we have got to work and we have got to see it. We've got to work it and labor and believe it.
I've been praying for percentages. I don't know. Just my little thing. You don't have to do it. I pray for 1% of our city, and we've achieved that. I'm praying for our next percentage. I'm praying that God would give us 10% of our city. Do the math, carry the one, divide by pi. 6,077. I'm praying for the next 1%, 607. Let's just do a little math. Between Sunday morning and Sunday night, there's 150 people that do not come or, or there's a swap between 150 and 200 people. Some folks only work on, they work on Sunday morning, they can only get here Sunday night. Some people ride the bus on Sunday morning and they're not running on Sunday night. There's about 150 to 200 people swap. That's okay. Praise God. I'm glad you can get to the house of God at least come once a week. And if you get here on Wednesday, you'll feel the Holy Ghost like we did this last Wednesday. I just got to address the church. We've got a city that needs to be saved. And I want to tell you, 660,774 was the last, that was the last census that was taken in 2017. I don't know if we're up or down, but I'm believing that God has given us this city. He's going to give us this city. Here's the book of Acts. And by the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest, no man joined himself, but the people magnified them. And believers were added more to the Lord. Multitudes, multitudes, say it, multitudes, both of men and of women. Acts 5.15, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets. And they laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. And Acts 5.27 says, When they brought them before the council, they set them there, and the high priest asked Peter and John, and they said, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in the name, in this name? And behold, here's the kick. And ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Now you got my defining moment of my life. I'm going to fill Jerusalem with our doctrine. I want to ask you, why are you afraid to be an apostolic? On my cell phone, I have a picture of a flyer from a Methodist church. And every time they spell out LBGTQ on that flyer, it is spelled out in rainbow colors. Because they are now advertising. They are a church for all the gays, lesbians, transvestites, transgenders, and the Q. Nobody knows who they are. Why are you afraid when that church is going to put out flyers about perverseness? You ought to be at least standing up for holiness and righteousness and power. Why are we backing down? Why don't we fill this city with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. If they're going to do that in this city, we got a job to do in our city. I'll tell you what's been happening. Denominational preachers are sending me this information and they're asking me, Pastor Harple, we know that our doctrine is not like your doctrine, but you know you have the Holy Ghost power. Tell us what we need to do. That's the messages I'm getting. And I got a word for you. Our church is primed and ready. We are going to go forth. The city is ours. 60,774. I'm almost done. 
I just had a word for you. And the word was you can't be blind and you can't be lame. You can't be a dud and inactive and you can't have doubt. Come on, you got to kick that aside. Everybody ought to be a disciple maker. Everybody ought to be working. Everybody ought to be striving. (laughs) See, this is what happens. Fear comes up and we think that we're not good enough. Fear comes up and we don't think we have the words to say. I wish you would just right now close your eyes and just say it right now. I rebuke all fear in the name of Jesus. You have not given us a spirit of fear again to bondage because fear puts us in bondage. But you have given us the spirit of love and of peace and of a sound mind. I pray it right now over this congregation. I rebuke every fear. You have been called to be a disciple maker and a witness of Jesus Christ. I rebuke all fear and all doubt. I cast down that that stronghold and that wall. We got to get inside the city. That city is ours. We got to take it. Hey, I need some people who would climb and get up in the gutter. I need some people who would work with some backsliders. It's going to be messy. I need some people who would work with some people that are lost. And they got, they got wrong ideas. Can I just say it like that? They got philosophies that are not of God. But you're going to have to pull them out of that. Somebody's got to stand up and say, I want to teach a Bible study. I'm going to get in someone's home. See, we've been around this thing for a long time. And we've had several prophecies come forth. It seems like every year we have a prophecy come forth. And they're powerful. This has been happening for years. And we believe it. And I preach today because really our homes is where it begins. And then our homes transfers to the house of God. Our house and then his house. Whatever we do in our house becomes his house. Sometimes we think his house should fix our house when really our house should be the ones that help in his house. If you think his house is going to help your house, you got it backwards. You get in your house and love God in your house. And then when you bring, when you get that ready and you get that all fixed up, loving God and, and having the move of God in your house, it's easy to transport, to transport it to the church house. And if you can get that right, then we got to have everybody to get up and start marching and working and doing something for the kingdom. It might be around the church or it might be out in the community, but this city belongs to us and we ought to fill Terre Haute with the apostolic doctrine. I think everybody needs to know that we baptize in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Everybody needs to know that we preach Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and the Godhead that there's only one God. He's a mighty God in Jesus Christ. And, and everybody needs to know that all of that, we, all that we do is standing upon love. One of the beautiful saints here in the church was eating at MCL and I was leaving and I walked by and said something to her and she had some friends there. And the saint said, this is my pastor. And the lady said, you're a Pentecostal preacher? And I said, yes. She said, well, are you loud? <laughs> oh no, I'm sedate. Calm. I'm a little backward. <laughs> Then she said, 
real argumentatively. I like Pentecostal preachers, but I don't like your doctrine. Well, first of all, praise God if you know the doctrine. That's good. I just patted her on the back and said, our doctrine is the doctrine of love. And then I just walked away. I heard her behind me saying, well, I agree with love. I agree with that. Yeah, because you don't even know what we are. We're, we're, a, we're an apostolic church. We stand on the doctrine of love. Because out of love comes everything. Out of love comes the name. Out of love comes the Holy Ghost. Out of love comes holiness. Out of love comes righteousness. We're on the doctrine of Jesus Christ. It's the doctrine of love. Because all the commandments hinge on that doctrine. The world and the city needs to know what we're, what we're standing on. Sixty thousand seven hundred and seventy-four, and it's our responsibility to reach them. That's our responsibility to reach them. Brother Benia told me that he had Bible studies early in the morning, very early in the morning, because he said, and I don't know where, I don't know if he's here tonight, Brother Brother Benia told me. I did my Bible studies in the morning because I got more people at the Bible study. Listen, if it's 5 o'clock in the morning and you can get a Bible study, get up at 4.30 and give the Bible study. God will give you strength for the rest of the day. If he doesn't, just take a nap. We got to do something. It's time for us to do something. I'm ready for us to do something. Do you know that there were times that I baptized people so long in the, in the baptismal tank, it took us 45 minutes to baptize them because there were so many people lined up to get baptized. We've done that. Do you know that we baptized over 850 people in the span of about seven and a half years, a few years ago? That ended. We're still baptizing people, but not at the rate. I think it's time to pick that thing up again and go get everybody. But if everybody's been baptized, there's no, no need to baptize anybody. I don't want to wait for Pentecost Sunday to have Pentecost Sunday. Do we really have to wait for Pentecost Sunday to have Pentecost Sunday? I just want to stand up and say, today is Pentecost Sunday. And every Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Come on, you cannot be lame any longer. Get up, get up, get up. You got to work for the kingdom. You got a job to do. You got souls to reach. There's 60,774. Just stand now because I'm, I'm done. Dear God, if you didn't feel the Holy Ghost during the choir, we're going to rebaptize you. Here's what we're going to do. Now we're going to see something. Because those who fail to see interrupt and block the advancements to the city. That city is ours. Bill Treadway, come up here with me, Bill Treadway. Bill sits on a council. It's a volunteer council. Just come up here, Bill. Bill sits on a council. It's a volunteer council. Stand right behind here. You, you look good right there. Bill said, Pastor, you need to come to a meeting. 
something's happening in our city. I wasn't clued in. I, I, and then he called me the next day. You got to be at the meeting. And he texted me, Pastor, you got to be at the meeting. I believe Bill when he tells me where I've got to be. We've worked together many times. Every time we work together in the city, we, we encounter spiritual warfare. Every time, Bill. Every time. I didn't realize that Bill was the chairman of the council of the, of the zoning board of zoning appeals I didn't realize that but when I got in the meeting I realized why I needed to be there and it was critical because just up the way of Fruit Ridge the old pizza place they had there just north of of, uh, of the Sony <clears throat> what is that crossroad Fruit Ridge and Fort Harrison you want to tell the story No, I really, you want to tell how, how, what's going on there? Tell, tell. Praise the Lord, church. I'm not prepared, so I'll just, do, just treat you like a, a big college class. Uh, we uh, uh, sit on the Board of Zoning Appeals. A lot of people don't know about it. It's a volunteer board, and uh, a group of people decided they wanted a, an adult usage at the old Pizza Inn building, including, and I, 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 I hate to say what they wanted to do, but even something that would be an adult relaxation center, a sexual encounter center. That's what they wanted to put in, you know. But it just takes each of us standing up and saying, not in my city, no way. But it, ta- it takes each of you. It, ta- it takes all of us to be active and involved. I've heard my whole life, I don't want to get involved in politics or anything. It's so dirty. Well, of course it is, because none of us are involved. Of course it's going to be dirty. When we get involved, it's not dirty. The dirt leaves the door. It doesn't want to be around us. Light and dark hath no fellowship. So when light enters the room, dark knows where the door is, and it heads straight out. So I encourage all of you to be involved in everything and to be out in the community. Because if we're absent, then we know what comes in. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. (laughs) And I stood up and they allowed me time to speak. And I talked about why we needed to keep this city wholesome. And I sat down and many people spoke. And then the attorney for the, for the strip club got up and started lecturing us about the virtues. And I interrupted from the audience and told him I didn't want to lecture. And Bill said, Pastor Harple, you have to stay in order. So what happened. Because I'm going to stand up, I'm going to say something. Now listen. The devil don't mind and the spirit world don't mind being out of order, but we're kowtowing and recoiling because we don't want to be known. You better be known. You need to be known. No, we're going to stand up for holiness and righteousness and something that's right, and we're going to spread the gospel throughout this entire city. This city is ours, but we're going to have to have somebody that will work and have faith for it. 
Come on, just lift up your hands right now because I believe God wants to pour out a Holy Ghost power blessing. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I gotta tell you it again. It's the only prayer request Jesus ever gave. He said, Pray for laborers in the field. He didn't ask for us to pray for the field. He didn't ask for us to pray for, for the harvest. He said, pray for laborers in the field. I'm asking God right now again, let there be people in this house. Come on, get off the wall. All the lame, all the blind, all, all the doubters. Come on, this is the moment right now. We got to fill this city with our doctrine. We got to fill this church. We got to fill our homes with the gospel. We got to fill our businesses with prayer and Bible studies. In the name of Jesus, right now, I pray. I need everyone just to bind together right now in Jesus' name before we leave this house. I thank you, Lord. 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 Don't lose the vision. Don't lose the vision. Come on, don't lose the vision. It's up to you. It's up to you. You got to reach the people. You got to fill up the pew. You got to fill up the church. You got to fill up your home. You got to fill up your cars. You got to fill up the back seats with people. You got to bring them to the house of God. You got to bring them to your coffee shops. You got to invite them to dinner. It's time for you to get a Bible study. It's time for you to make a friend. We got to do this now. The city, the city belongs.